Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Hello and welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill and hello, everyone. Hello, listeners. And today we are talking about breath the very thing that our body needs and does in fact i'm going to start with a quote from the great joseph pilates breathing is the first act of life and the last our very life depends on it and i think that kind of sums it up most people don't really think about breath we just think of it as an automatic thing that we do that we have to do to live but there's actually a lot to breathing isn't there dan it's very complex but it's also it seems very simple because we do it subconsciously. Mm. But if we then can learn to do some conscious breathing, it can have really profound health benefits. Throughout history, kind of all these ancient philosophers and religions and cultures, yogis, people like that, they realized the importance of breathing and how essential it is. Mm. And to kind of drill it home a little bit, I always like to tell people when I speak about breathing is, this is how essential it is. You can go three weeks without food, three days without water, but you can only go pretty much three minutes without breathing. And that's how important it is. If you're trying to improve your health and you're focusing on exercise and food and water, meditation, all these things are good, but some of your health implications could go away if you corrected your breathing because it is that essential. And it's one of the few things that we actually have to do automatically that we have actual control over as well that we can subconsciously and consciously control like we can't control our brain function or our heart our heartbeat can we but but via the breath we can actually control how we feel it can tap into a the other branch the rest and digest side of the nervous system and it's the basis it's one of the top things on the tree for the check system and it's one of the first things we start with in pilates as well so shall we dive in and see what the crack is with it all? Yep, let's let's discuss the crack, <laughs> the breathing crack. I feel like we need a jingle at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right, so shall we go with the anatomy of the breath? Yep, go on then, let's break some physiology down. So break it down. So obviously the lungs are a major part of um, the breathing apparatus, as is the main breathing muscle, which is the diaphragm. And in Pilates, we do a lot of diaphragmatic breathing. Um, you will hear that a lot. Um, I've got some interesting facts about the breath. Do you want to hear them? Come on then. I'm glad you said yes. So I was going to say them anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> every day we breathe 12 point, no, sorry, 12,500 litres of air. We take on average 7.3 million breaths each year between our birthdays and over a lifetime we breathe 550 million times on average every time you breathe in or exhale you're exhaling 25 sextillion molecules of oxygen that is 2.5 to the power of 10 by 22 that's a lot I'm sure you've just made sextillion up. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And every person who lives from now on until the sun withers and dies in the sky will be breathing some molecules that you have breathed, that have been in your body 
just as you are breathing in molecules of every person who's ever lived. So on an atomic level, we are eternal via our breath. Very profound. So if you think about it, then if you have some kind of heroes from the past or religious cultures, then you could be mm-hmm. breathing the same breath that they breathing. did. Yep. Breathing Jesus. Buddha. <laughs> That's got to be the title for this podcast. <laughs> we are all how breathing cool. Jesus. <laughs> we are breathing Jesus. But how cool is that to think like every molecule, every time you breathe in, you're breathing in a molecule that has been through someone else. It is just so vital, isn't it? Mm. I think it's so simple and it's so overlooked. Then when you really think about it, that makes it seem more special. The fact that we can't live without it, yet we don't even think about it. Mm. I don't know. It's a weird paradox, isn't it? Yeah. Joseph Pilates believed that the power of the breath was um, the complete coordination of mind, body and spirit. And that's how we brought it all together via the breath. And there's quite a few... um, in yoga and quite a lot of those older kind of styles like qigong and tai chi they all are focused on the breath and how we can manipulate the breath to create a a different environment in our body right yeah well i was just about to say that things like yoga and tai chi qigong they coordinate the breath with the movement and that's the basis of the practice and that Mm. calms the mind and brings health benefits and it really does work. And then obviously when we studied with the Czech Institute, we get taught the zone exercises, which work on the same principles. So timing the breath to the movement. And it doesn't take long at all. Honestly, like a couple of minutes or just a few movements and you start to get that timing right with your, your breath and your movement. And it has that calming effect. It's so easy to do, but you feel the benefits straight away. It almost mm. seems too simple. But yeah. often the most the best things are the simplest. Exactly. Some of the things that it can do is um, it enhances relaxation. It can lower blood pressure. It can improve your posture, just as um, having good posture can improve your breath. Um, and it can tap into that parasympathetic nervous system response, which is um, the rest and digest, which we talked about in our workout work in. Now, what, one thing I always find weird about breath is, why do they teach women who are about to have a baby how to breathe? Like, because of its, you know, it's one of the best painkillers in the body. Like, like we've already said, it lowers the heart rate down. It, it stops the stress response. So why don't they teach other people how to breathe as well? Like, um, you know, people in chronic pain and stuff like that, because it's obvious that the medical world sees that breathing really going to help someone who's about to go, a woman who's about to go through the most painful experience in her life. That breath can help that. So why don't yeah. they teach other people? I know, yeah. I think it is becoming more and more common, breathing techniques and breathing classes mm. and the benefits of breathing. But there's probably a case where the medical industry and the health and fitness industry probably kind of want to keep it a little bit quiet because it's hard to make money off breath. You can't sell anyone any breathing equipment, really, can you? Or not much yeah. of it. Do you often find that when you speak about pregnancy, when a woman becomes pregnant, then they, they get things they should do and things they shouldn't do, which go against what the, like the normal population can do. So they say, stop smoking, stop drinking alcohol. Mm. And then when you have the baby, don't microwave the food because microwaves are dangerous. But like <laughs> being pregnant and having a baby, these, you're still just a human. So if those things are bad for babies and pregnant women, then they're going to be bad for everyone else as well. Yeah. Like you often eating, think about it, it's strange. 
eating uh, lots too much tinned fish because of the mercury levels. I remember that because my dad was like, "Why are you not?" My dad was like, "Yeah, it, was, it got the list of everything that you couldn't could do," and he was like, "Right, I'm not eating that anymore. I'm not eating this." He was like, "Why? Why are they telling you not to eat that?" Um, salads, pre-packed salads because they get sprayed in chlorine. Processed meats. <laughs> so yeah, my dad was so, like, "I'm not eating any of them anymore." <laughs> well, yeah, all these things if they if they're bad for a pregnant woman or a baby then they're surely going to be bad for the rest of people because you're still a human. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's strange how that doesn't get flagged up more often. I know. And did you know, I'm going to drop this fact in, it was as late as 1973 that Nature magazine ran an editorial back in women smoking during pregnancy on the grounds that it calmed stress. That's not that long ago that they were saying that smoking's good for you. No, it's just a generation or two, isn't it? Saying that yeah. pregnant women should smoke. It's scary, isn't it? I know, just how things have changed now. So we've got lots of breathing muscles. The main one, I started talking about that, then we got sidetracked as you usually do. Um, so the diaphragm is the main breathing muscle. So as it contracts, it goes down into the abdominal cavity and draws the lungs down, which is when we inhale and the lungs fill with air and then it pushes up to expel the air so getting used to working the diaphragm because i often find i don't know if you find this because we our clients nowadays spend so much time hunched over that the diaphragm can't move properly so people have forgotten how to actually use their diaphragm do you find that yeah i think it's because like you said we we hunched over we're in that seated position the abdominals get really tight and then when you do a big inhale then the diaphragm wants to drop down and expand but because the abdominals are so tight that the, the diaphragm literally cannot push hard enough against the abdominals. So you end up breathing into the chest because you have to mm. get the oxygen in somewhere. So I think that's the main problem. The diaphragm probably doesn't get worked enough. It is easy to work it if you just do some breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, even if it wanted to, it cannot because it cannot push hard enough against the abdominals. So if you're going to do some breathing exercises or you just want to improve your breathing and posture in general, for most people, if you if you're seated a lot and you feel your abs are tight, just stretch out that those flexor muscles like the hip flexors and the abdominals, and everything's going to relax. So if you relax those muscles, the diaphragm can then work more effectively. Mm. Well, I always find as well is because the body is that clever, and like we've already said, oxygen is our number one fuel for our bodies. That there are loads of muscles in your body that we call them the auxiliary breath muscles. So they're in your, so your pectorals, for example, are one of them. Your tra trapezius muscles are one of them. And what happens is if your diaphragm is stuck and you, you're in this hunched over posture, so your diaphragm can't move properly, you start to breathe with your auxiliary muscles, which could be your neck muscles or your chest muscles. And that's why people tend to get a lot of neck pain, I find, because they don't just, it's not, not to do with their posture, it's because the body's trying to breathe with different muscles not the correct ones so it causes more pain if you think that your neck's already say the say your trap muscles at the top your upper traps are already in a flexed position so they've been pulled out of alignment and contracting out of alignment and then they are required to breathe which we've already said is like how many times a day do we take a breath is it twenty five thousand times a day on average and so twenty five thousand times a day on average those muscles are being asked to do a job that they're not designed to do properly. So if you can get the diaphragm working properly with a lot of people, you find that, that it just relaxes and releases their neck and shoulders and chest as well. 
Yeah, the shoulders are going to drop down, and a lot of people get headaches if they, and they kind of figure out what it is. So they just constantly take painkillers all the time for headaches. Mm. So if you can kind of correct your posture, correct your breathing, you're going to get all the muscles in your neck and, like you said, in the upper back and the traps. If you can get them to relax, then it's going to take the tension out of your head because everything links into your spine and then goes up into mm. your, your upper vertebrae around that area. Then you, there's a term tension headaches. You might not need to take painkillers the rest of your life if you literally just correct your breathing. It's as simple as that. So if you can find the root cause, and it might be as simple as just trying to stretch your, your abs out, and that could cure your headache. I know it sounds silly because then if your abs are relaxed, you can breathe into the diaphragm, which is going to stop the, the auxiliary breathing muscles working, which releases the tension into your head. So it's just tracking everything back to where the problem is instead of just papering over the cracks by taking painkillers. Yeah, I've got another quote for you from Joseph Pilates. He talked a lot about breathing in his work. Lazy breathing converts the lungs, literally and figuratively speaking, into a cemetery for the deposition of diseased, dying and dead germs, as well as supplying an ideal haven for the multiplication of other harmful germs. How cool is that? So what does that mean in English? <laughs> <laughs> it means that if you don't breathe properly, you're creating, you're not getting rid of that stagnant, stagnation. You know, we talk, I was talking about stagnant pools, another of Joseph Pilates um, <laughs> imagery. It just creates a whole, he called the lungs, the bellows of the body. So pushing the air through the body and the oxygenated blood and keeping everything moving through stops germs building up throughout the whole body. Yeah, we need to get rid of that stale air. There's a the Chinese, I think it's a Chinese culture, they call it taking the garbage out. When you exhale normally, you get to like a natural end point, but there's still some stale air in your lungs. So you need to use the abdominals now and again and kind of force that final bit of air out so there's nothing left in your system. And then you can take a full breath of fresh air. So it's called taking the garbage out. You use your abs and you just you force that last little bit of air out till you almost create that stomach vacuum and then you can take a big deep breath and it's some people might have never done that in their entire life so mm. it's just getting rid of that stagnation that's why exercise is so good as well because it increases the heart rate gets your lungs going getting outside doing some stuff outside getting out of breath every now and then we need to do that don't we that brisk walking and you don't have to run like i'd never run but brisk walking you can get your heart rate up get your lung capacity firing and challenge, stress the body a little bit, isn't it? It's all about the stressing of the body to get that return. Yeah, like you said, it's it's a, a good imagery to think of it like bellows or a big pump. The more you can get those to work efficiently into the to the maximum kind of ranges of motion, the better you're going to feel. Breathing is the biggest detoxification pathway as well. I think it's somewhere like 70% of our waste is expelled through our breath. So if you can just breathe deeply and breathe in a few more different ways than just normal, then it's, it's going to have a detoxification effect on us, which most people, well, nearly everyone needs to in today with the world of chemicals and pollution and crap food. So even just breathing can improve your health. Yeah. And you breathe out fat as well. People think that you excrete fat out, but actually once you've broken the, obviously you've got to break the fat down first. You can't just breathe and you'll get thin you've got to do some stuff to break down the fat cells first but there's a chemical reaction in the cell and then that chemical reaction then turns into ox uh, carbon dioxide which is then breathed out so that is the pathway of getting rid of fat cells 
Mm, there you go. Breathe away the fat. That could be the next title. Breathe like Jesus. Breathe away the fat. <laughs> <laughs> So there are some very simple, like it doesn't have to be complicated, does it? Breathing exercises. I mean, we've already done an episode on working in and working out, which is when you're doing the work in, that's all the, the movements. But if you're just sitting at your, at your desk, so you can just sit up nice and straight, you have to good posture. Breathing actually creates a peristaltic wave through the spine as well. So every time you breathe in, if you just do it now, if you take a deep breath in, you'll automatically straighten up through your spine. And we use that quite a lot in Pilates, that inhalation straight spine and try and keep the length of the spine while you breathe out. That creates a nice wave through the whole of the body, which is again, acts like a pump. You know, your body is a system of pumps and that's how your body gets rid of toxins and how it gets the blood flowing through. So breathing correctly, good posture will actually help you to detoxify as well. Yeah, you should grow very slightly on a big inhale. Well, not even a big inhale, just a regular inhalation. Your spine should lengthen very slightly. Mm. And then as you exhale, you should drop down very slightly. So if you find you're not doing that, that's a sign that you might have an inverted breathing pattern. Mm. I like to think of if you've got good breathing or a good kind of benchmark, if you say if you can, you think your chest breathing or you think your belly breathing, you can, you can do a test. You can put your one hand on your stomach, one hand on your chest. And as you breathe, it should be the, for the first two thirds of a deep breath, the belly should expand. And then the final third should be the chest. If your, your hand on your chest is moving more than your belly, then it shows an inverted breathing pattern. And there's a good indication of what perfect breathing is. I like to think of when you see a baby asleep, the belly is so soft and it, you can see it literally expanding fully and going back down because the baby hasn't being experienced as stress and bad posture and things like that mm. but that soft belly you can see the diaphragm expanding fully that's kind of what the perfect breathing is but obviously it's life becomes a bit more complicated after you, <laughs> you become an adult <laughs> yes exactly so breath if you think about the stress response as well what's the first thing you do when someone tells you bad news you go <gasps> you take a deep breath in and go eat and hold your breath is it's that stress response it's immediate you tighten up you tighten up your neck your shoulders you hold your breath so if you can control that response a little bit because that's just the natural stress response and if you can then focus on the out breath which is the parasympathetic response then you can create you can kind of control the stress a little bit as well through your body yeah and like i said it's it's a very unconscious breathing but in times of stress we seem to inherently know how important it is because say if we tell someone some bad news or people are hyperventilating what do we say to people calm down take a deep take breath deep breaths yeah, yeah and it just comes natural to us no one tells us to say, say those things do we but we mm. know how important it is in times of stress yeah so it's interesting that if you actually consciously try to control that and like I said, it doesn't have to be complicated um you know just sometimes in classes we do like five six seven breathing so you breathe in for five hold for six breathe out for seven that actually just slows the whole process down it allows that chimp brain activation to just calm down the rational brain to kick in and it just slows that whole stress response down so it's a good good that's a good one and also box breathing is another good one that we do in class where we breathe in for four hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four. And imagine that you're drawing, a, it's called box breathing, but it's actually a square, isn't it? You're not really drawing a cube. 
Yeah, but I think because the square has four sides and you're doing four, 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 that's probably where it comes from. <laughs> that's what, it would just be a square, not a box. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so, I like, uh, sorry, I like the fact that you, you, you've mentioned it a few times now. Breathing is one of the things, I'm not sure if it's the only thing which, which can be conscious and unconscious. Mm. So those breathing techniques you just mentioned, the four, 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 you can do five, six, seven. There's, there's quite a few different ones which people do, yeah. four, six, eight. They all have the same purpose, really. So they get you to make your breathing conscious. And then if you can focus on your breathing, it stops all that mental clutter, that mental chaos. So if you just focus on your breathing, although you're getting the benefits of deep breath, you're also getting the mental benefits of not thinking about all those stresses. So a lot of meditation these days that's coming out is based on if you kind of sit and look very zen, like a monk with your legs crossed, just sit and just focus on your breath, just count your breaths. And just by focusing on just even counting an inhale and an exhale, it stops you thinking about something else, which is constantly on your mind. So it can't be overestimated how just doing simple breathing and just counting those breaths can really help. If you have mm-hmm. to do it consistently though. That's like anything, isn't it? In the moment, it might you might be feeling anxious and doing a breathing technique might really help. So in those 10, 15, 20 minutes, your anxiety will really come down. Mm. But throughout the rest of the day, it might pick up again. So in the moment, it might work. But like anything, like exercise, like diet, you have to do it over weeks, months, years to have the real health benefit. So don't think it's, you're just going to do it once and be cured. It has to be a long-term thing. Yeah, and um, breathing correctly can really does relax you down it can help you sleep if you can't get to sleep and it can do all sorts of really cool things I think with breath it's one of those things that is so like we said so often overlooked and it's so simple like sometimes people come to me with bad backs and necks and stuff and I said well let's have a look at your breathing and they're like what are you not looking at my neck for (laughs) like because sometimes it's actually the breath that is causing the problem like as we said before about the you know, not using the diaphragm correctly. Yeah, and the body is a system of systems. You might be doing something in one system, which is affecting your breathing, but it doesn't matter if anything affects your breathing. That's kind of in the check system. We say it's, we have a totem pole, like a hierarchy of, of these systems, and that's at the very top, apart from the psyche. But say if you're doing something like eating too much sugar or eating foods that you're allergic to, it might congest your nose maybe so you kind of nose breathe so you breathe through your mouth which elevates your heart rate which causes that stress response which causes tension so again you might have a headache because you're eating sugar or you're eating dairy which blocks your nose so then you kind of breathe through your nose which means you have to breathe through your mouth so you might think well, what i've got a headache what you're talking about me diet for it's where you say well it's actually affecting your breathing which is giving you a tension headache so again, all these systems play into one another. And if you're going to affect the breathing system, that's going to have really detrimental effects. You have to take an overall look. Yeah. And also your breath, your diaphragm is closely linked to your pelvic floor as well. There's that whole intra-abdominal pressure. So um, if you've got hernias or prolapses or anything like that, the actual change in your breathing pattern can actually help to rectify those things or improve them, not rectify them, it won't fix them, but it'll definitely help because every time you breathe in and out, there's that whole um, balloon cylindrical pressure that is created inside that as you breathe out, the pelvic floor lifts slightly. And again, that's exercising the pelvic floor. It's keeping it nice and strong. It's stopping all those other things that are 
dropping down into it because you find that everybody like kind of pushes this modern posture is pushing everything down and if you think you've only got like a thin band of muscles down there to hold everything so the more that you can lift up and out of yourself the better it is for you know that pressure that's not pushing down all the time when you were speaking there like it's what came to my head is we haven't really spoke about the spiritual side of it as well which we haven't really mentioned but mm. you talk about the yin and the yang again if you're hunched over all the time you can't in that depressed position then you haven't expanded so there's always a complementary opposite so if mm. you're just doing one thing all the time then you're not going to get the benefit of the other but when we breathe we inhale so as you breathe in that will be yin and as we breathe out that will be yang so if you can try to again when we get into a kind of meditative state and things like that if you're trying to relax the mind you can think as you breathe in that's yin and if you can mm-hmm. breathe out that's young and even if you say that in your head it does work i mean this works for me but i don't know if it works for other people but it is a complementary opposite you kind of have one without the other day night in out inhale exhale so that's literally how important it is and that's what a lot of these ancient cultures base their spirituality on i mean yin and yang even the symbol um in ancient culture that's what it means cool and um, we should um i'm gonna ask you about this now because you like the whole wim hof breathing method don't you have we mentioned this before on our podcast i don't know whether it's one of the early ones that we haven't ever released (laughs) so wim hof's big on the breath isn't he yeah and he's becoming more and more popular now i think he's eventually cracked mainstream it's took him like 30 years but the last two years and even probably the last six months really he's just released an autobiography and they go i think you told me they're going to make a film oh yeah maybe out of it yeah yeah so Wim Hof's breathing method is, yeah, it almost gets you to not hyperventilate, but it gets you to focus on your breath and breathe very quick. And it over-oxygenates the body, but then it ties in holding your breath and then eventually adding in exercise as well. Mm. But the, the basis is it just gets you to breathe deep, breathe fast. And then when you're doing these breaths, I find you, you're not thinking about anything else. You, your mind really is on your breath. And then when you exhale and you're just holding your breath for as long as you can, you just get this weird sense of calm and you can feel the oxygen rushing around your body. So it gives you like a really good feedback tool for how oxygen literally moves around your body. You feel numb, you feel your fingers tingling. And then when you're finished, you feel hyper alert. It's really, really good. It's a little bit scary when you do it the first few times, obviously if you're going to do a little bit of research into this and you're going to try it, don't do it when you're driving or operating like, I don't know, heavy machinery or anything like that. Do yeah. it at home when you're relaxed. Yeah, it's really, really good. And I'm really pleased it's kind of getting more and more popular now. And I watched an interview with Wim Hof recently and he said, you've been doing this for like 30 years. You've been trying to tell people that it works. What made you so persistent? A lot of people would have gave up. And he's like, well, I do it anywhere and I know it works why would I ever stop telling people? I've noticed how helpful it is. Why would I stop? That would just be selfish. But to get ridiculed for like 30, 25, 30 years and to keep pushing forward and then for science to eventually realize that there is some benefit to it. A lot of credit goes to him because I think yeah. a lot of people would have given up by now. Yeah. And he's also like linked it to his immune function and stuff oh, like that, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Um, I've got some interesting facts for you. Do you know that when you hold your breath, the discomfort you feel when you hold your breath for too long is not caused by the depletion of oxygen, but by the buildup of carbon dioxide. That's why the first thing you do when you stop holding your breath is blow out. You would think the most urgent need would be to go <gasps> breathe in, but you go <sighs> and breathe out because your body really doesn't like oxygen. I mean, carbon dioxide. 
<laughs> I'm actually an alien. <laughs> um, humans are pretty crap at holding their breath for mammals. If you think about other mammals, um, seals, dolphins, aquatic kind of creatures, they're pretty good at holding their breath, aren't they? We've got the same, um, we've got bigger lung capacity than those, those creatures. But do you know what the longest pers- time anyone's ever held their breath for? David Blaine once held the record, but I think it's been mm-hmm. broken since then. I think he got up to like 17 minutes, but um, I know someone's cracked at the 20-minute mark. Yeah, 24 minutes and three seconds by Alex Segura Vendrel of Spain. But he was breathing pure oxygen and then lying motionless because obviously if you move around, that's expending more of your oxygen. I think it's very impressive when you see these free divers who hold the breath and then people do it for sport where they go down as deep as they can and hold the breath but mm-hmm. then also you get these people in different cultures who go spear fishing the kids literally learn to just repetition repetition they learn to hold the breath and they can go down for like five six seven minutes swim around and catch fish and then yeah. come up, that's just normal for them whereas if me or you try to do that <laughs> down there for like i'm really seconds. crap at holding my breath <laughs> yeah. i panic underwater do you I, I don't like it right i've got another i've got two go facts for you did you know the, the right lung is bigger than the left to accommodate the heart? Oh, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, very slightly. And did you know horses can only breathe through the noses? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Never really thought about it, but yeah, I guess. Can dogs breathe through? Oh, yeah, because they pant, don't they? Yeah. Horses sweat, so that's how, isn't that how dogs get rid of heat there? As horses sweat, don't they? Yeah, but I think that's probably the biggest takeaway of today. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. <laughs> Did you know that nobody knows why people get asthma? No, no, I didn't know actually. Yeah, no, nobody knows that. And um, do you know that this what a spasmodic contraction of the diaphragm is called? A hiccup. Yay, hiccups. I was telling you some interesting facts about hiccups before, wasn't I? Yeah, how a long hiccup. did that guy have hiccups for? Oh, about 40 years. So a hiccup is a sudden spasmodic contraction of the diaphragm, which essentially startles the larynx into closing abruptly, making the famous hick sound. Oh my God, Dan, I have the worst. If I get hiccups, right, I am a complete nightmare. I hate them. I rarely get them, right? No, I think it was last year I got them in the night I woke up. It literally had the whole house was off with the like, mama. kids were like, mama, what's wrong? it's awful I, I i start crying it's that bad like it's properly awful and i'll get these really loud hiccups and i feel sick and like the whole literally the whole house was up when i have hiccups it's just <laughs> horrendous like i cannot imagine this guy so this guy um he was called charles osborne he hiccuped continuously for 67 years what i would be in tears if that happened to me the hiccups began in 1922 when he Tried to lift a 350-pound hog for butchering, which somehow triggered a hiccup response. Eventually, that slowed to 20 times a minute. Altogether, it was estimated to have hiccuped 430 million times over nearly seven decades. He never hiccuped while he was asleep. And in the summer of 1990, a year before he died, his hiccups abruptly and mysteriously disappeared. How very strange. Very strange indeed. So if that was me, I'd, oh, I'd hate that. I'd say what's even more strange, the fact that he tried to lift a 350-pound pig. That's like, <laughs> like 150 kilos. <laughs> nobody <laughs> was he knows- a Hercules? <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows why you get hiccups and nobody has any cure for them, but I, I do have a cure for hiccups. I, I, I can cure your hiccups. I can, cure, I can cure my kids' hiccups, like no problem. 
What's and the, the always technique? Good. Mom cure me hiccups. <laughs> so I do, and it works every time. If you get hiccups, I'll, I'll teach you how to do it. Well, you're not going to divulge. Have you, have you patented do, the If you technique? ever get hiccups, ring us and I'll cure them for you. I could do it over the phone. <laughs> you start charging for this. Jill's hiccup service. Ring 0800 hiccups. Yeah, I could. If any of our listeners get hiccups, <laughs> give me a call and I'll cure them for you. I can't cure my own, but I can cure other people's. Well, that's why you have to teach people the techniques and then they can phone you and then cure they you. Then they can cure, cure me. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about lung cancer because I've been learning about it and it's um, not pleasant. You are 50 times more likely to get lung cancer if you're a smoker. That is 50 times. I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, that that smoking is going to bring on lung cancer but 50 times is crazy isn't it well you know what it wasn't that obvious in the 1940s as much as 80 percent of the population smoked male population let's say but not all of them got lung cancer so they didn't attribute it to um smoking and of course there was little bits of scientists and doctors coming out saying, I think smoking is not good for you. And then the tobacco industry kicked in big style and it started funding all the research that went into lung cancer because they were desperately trying to find something that would point the finger elsewhere. And what they did um, is they argued that although tar had, and nicotine had been proven to be causing cancer in mice, it had never been caused in humans. And that was because the mice were getting it directly into them. So what they did to make their cigarettes more appealing, they introduced filters into the, in the 1950s. Filters had a great effect that the producers could claim their cigarettes were now much safer. And most manufacturers charged more for filtered cigarettes but what happened was the filter actually displaced, was cheaper than the tobacco that it displaced. And they didn't filter out any tar or nicotine at all, any better than the tobacco that would have done in the first. It was the perceived loss of taste. So what happened was because they got a, a loss of taste, they had to use stronger tobacco. So <laughs> the filters kind of like... Made it worse. Made it worse. So the up, upshot was by the late 1950s, the average smoker was taking in more tar and nicotine than he had before filters were invented. And by this point, the average American adult was smoking 4,000 cigarettes a year. Don't they, isn't there sugar in the cigarette paper to make it addictive? Oh, I don't know. I've never heard yeah. that one before. Yeah, because sugar is, there's loads of studies now saying how addictive sugar is. There's even some people say that it's addictive as cocaine. Yeah. So there's, yeah, apparently there's, in the, the cigarette paper, there's, there's sugar, especially in the tip, which goes in your lips. So mm. you don't really, you kind of taste it, but your body has that little hit of sugar, which adds to the addictiveness of the cigarettes. Oh, yeah. I'd be surprised. Probably put caffeine yeah. in as well. And Yeah, so, and as well, the most of the smoke is passive as well. Because if you think, I'm sure it's something like 95% of the cigarette smoke actually isn't inhaled, it just goes into the atmosphere. So that's, it's even... Although it's bad for you causing lung cancer, it's also, you think all those billions of cigarettes, most of the smoke just goes into the air. Because if you think a smoker just, they stand with the cigarette in the hand most of the time and it's just burning away. And they only, they only take a, a puff of the cigarette now and again. So most of you spending all that money, most of it's bloody going into the atmosphere. Yeah. And lung cancer still uh, contributes to, uh, sorry, accounts for one fifth of all deaths. So... That is pretty, still pretty high. It's the yeah. third most common type of cancer and it's the most deadly type of cancer that you can get. So 
it's I think rates for smoking are a lot better than what they used to be. Because I remember when I was just a, a young lad, I used to work in a pub and the smoking law was still in and people used to stand at the bar and smoke cigars and cigarettes oh. and things like that. And you used to come home and you your clothes used to just absolutely Oh god, it was thin. awful. The yeah. wallpaper was pretty yellow in inside and then then the smoking ban came in and it was just totally different. There's like yeah. crowds of people outside smoking, but it's not like that now. No, it's not. It's a bit of a I would like to think it's a bit of a dying culture. I mean, it'll never totally die out. But here's a strange thing as well. Our culture is like cigarette smoking and cigars, but there's something about smoking which all ancient cultures do, or most of them do. Mm-hmm. You smoke tobacco has actually got a lot of health benefits, actual real tobacco. But a lot of cultures smoke things, so there is something to it. It's not just something the Western world has developed. I mean, we've butchered it and made it really bad for us. Mm. But the the smoke herbs and the and things like that. So there is something to it, isn't there? I don't yeah. know about it, but there's definitely something built in us which. There's um, cleansing, isn't it? It's um, I like, smoke like sage, burning sage and stuff, and cleansing the yeah. aura and the room and and your place. So they see smoke as quite a spiritual thing. Yeah, so, like like ritualistic. Yeah, but like everything, moderation. They're not doing it 30 times a day, (laughs) every day of their lives, Uh, are they? So, yeah, don't smoke, guys. Yeah, if you want to breathe better, definitely don't smoke. I mean, it's pretty obvious. So, yeah, have you got anything else about breathing then, Dan? No, just I think we we should do like we did with the zone exercises or the working exercises. We'll do some videos on breathing exercises. There's millions of different techniques out there. And mm. it's and yeah, one final thing as well. It's really interesting that we've already spoke, breathing can be unconscious and conscious. So breathing as well can also give you energy and it can decrease your energy. So if, you, if you're too anxious, which is kind of you're, you're too alert, doing breathing can calm you down. But if you're feeling sluggish and slow, you can do breathing to speed you up. Two different techniques, but they both have the place and they both work. Again, they, it's free. Okay, you don't. It doesn't cost you anything. It's all like if you're feeling sluggish, you can have sugar or caffeine. You can just breathe, and it's going to bring your energy up. If you're feeling anxious, instead of taking pills, no, that type of thing, you can learn to breathe and bring your anxiety down. So it works for both. Not a lot of things can do that, can they? Oh, the power of the breath! It's amazing. Once you start doing, I once went on this thing, which was just like a whole breathing weekend, and he was doing all sorts of different techniques because we haven't really mentioned the vagal nerve either stimulation of the, the vagal nerve which you can do through breathing which is the nerve that runs directly from your brain down through your heart into your organs so that's how people who um sever their spinal cord can still have function of their organs because of um because it's a nerve that doesn't run through the spinal cord and you can um stimulate it via the breath and humming and singing and all that kind of stuff it's really good to get that function and also we haven't even mentioned that the diaphragm as well massages the organs and that very action of breathing is actually really good for for organ function as well yeah i mean we could go on and on and on about how important it is can't we yeah we'll do some breathing exercises and techniques and we'll put some videos out there because it's um very simple but like i said we've already said it's so profound and you can just feel it straight away it works immediately so and it can make an exercise harder or it can make it easier as well the power of the breath isn't it yeah a lot of traditional gym exercises people breathe incorrectly it's, it's too much to get into now but there's quite a few different techniques you can use kind of lifting weights and things like that 
but in general, a lot of people do it incorrectly because there's a lot of physiology involved. Even just turning the hands in certain positions can change the way the body works and the way the breath moves. So, yeah, but that's, again, it just shows how important it is. Absolutely. We'll do some vids. Our other ones went down well. I've got loads of people asking me about working in. The stalk walk. Stalk walk and zen swing. Yeah, all that's based on breathing. Yeah, it's just like I said, all these ancient cultures, they know what they were talking about by doing Tai Chi and Qigong and meditation. It's all in the breath. It's it's funny how all these things are free and yeah. easy and you don't need like expensive kit to do this stuff. And if you just did like two things, like what we always talking about, you know, our if you listen to our foundation principles episode, you know, the six foundation principles, if you did two of them, you'd be on your way to a pretty healthy life, really. <laughs> yeah. When you said that, it's, it's free. Most of these things are free or they don't cost you anything extra. Like eating healthy food doesn't cost you anything extra than what unhealthy food does. I saw a quote the other day. There's not a direct person. It comes from ancient Egypt. It was, it was found written on a pyramid or something or a tablet. It says one quarter of what you eat keeps you alive. The other three quarters keeps your doctor alive. So it's all that overconsumption, but it makes sense, doesn't it? It was so I was reading about fasting, how we just eat too much of everything. But yeah, one quarter of what you eat keeps you alive. The other three quarters keeps your doctor alive. And Paul Chekhov often says, if you keep doing these exercises incorrectly, it's just going to buy your therapist a BMW. So, <laughs> so just, just get the simple things right. And you can keep the money for yourself and have improved health. It's a win-win situation. So we'll wrap that up there, eh? Wrap it up. Yes, indeed. So what's the crack with Dan this time? Where are you? <laughs> Where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> so I'm just doing personal training still at the at the moment. And I've had a weird bit of a fascination this week researching. I've been at the getting into kind of Greek philosophy and things like that. Oh god. Stoic. <laughs> yeah. Have you looked at stoicism? Yeah, stoic, stoicism, yeah. Yeah. So Plato and Socrates and then obviously a lot of the quotes from Hippocrates which the Czech Institute teaches, I mean, he wasn't a philosopher. He was a, well, the originator of the healthcare system, really, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, I don't know, I've found a, a fascination with that. Okay, so that's what I've been up to. <laughs> wow. Well, that was a bit of a revelation. <laughs> Dan has a really, <laughs> every week he has a new fascination. <laughs> oh, month. <laughs> I've yeah. been to Hippocrates' hospital. Oh, wow. I've said that before, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. It's that's pretty cost. impressive though, yeah. And doctors still do the Hippocratic oath, don't they? Mm. They do. And the um, symbol of medicine is the two snakes, which were the uh, snakes that he, the symbol from his hospital, which was he called the Asclepion, which means snake, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I really got into it this week and I've been looking at like ancient Greece and things like that because I don't know a lot about it, but I found it absolutely fascinating. So I want to, that's, that's what I'm spending my spare time on <laughs> these days. <laughs> well, I'm pleased you're using your time wisely, Dan. <laughs> I've been this week learning all about cancer. <laughs> um, so with with a really good um, breast cancer surgeon and um, it's been really interesting actually about how exercise and chemo and what it does to your body, um, reconstructive surgery. Actually, it's really interesting how they reconstruct a breast. <laughs> you think it would be easy, but it's not, especially oh, when you yeah. use muscles from different parts of your body and stuff. Really interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I've been doing. It's called harvesting, isn't it? When they take, when they do like take skin from a different part of your body as well. And for a skin graft, you yeah. harvest the skin from somewhere else. It's a bit of a strange term, but I, 
I just remember it stuck in my mind that it's incredible what the body can do to regenerate itself, isn't it? Oh, absolutely amazing. So that's what I've been doing this week as well. Um, and where can they find you? So the best place is on Facebook at Daniel Purvis Health and Fitness. And if Not you that wanna... he ever puts anything on there. No, I might get back to Facebook <laughs> soon. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still enjoying the, there, but there's videos. Still en- no. I'm still enjoying yeah. the hiatus at the moment. I know. But yeah, and the podcast is iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Jill's website. It's just out there and the multiverse. My website, it's getting its own page on my website as we speak. So it'll have its own search things as well. So it's all cool. good. Where can people find you? At my website, <laughs> organicforthatis.co.uk. What I'm up to, just I'm having a week off this week actually, so a rare week off. But you know, you can still um, access my classes if anybody wants. I've now got um, so my classes are in my studio. I live stream every class, so if you want to, didn't want to come out of your house, you can still join us. And also, if you can't even make the time, there is absolutely no excuse not to come to class nowadays. If you can't make the time, I record all my classes and upload them, and I'll just send you a link. Pilates 24-7. I had a lady come to my class last night and she's like, oh my God, I love your classes. And I just went, oh, is that nice? <laughs> it makes it all worthwhile when you hear things like that. It does. Like when it you does. run your own business and that type of thing and it gets stressful and everything's on you and things don't go right, especially when it's in, involved in people's health as well. Like, Yeah. It's, it does make it worthwhile when you get nice comments, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And all my clients are lovely anyway. I don't let horrible people in. <laughs> you have to have an interview before you come yeah so if you've been turned away and you listen to this podcast Jill thinks you're horrible <laughs> <laughs> anyway right listeners enough of this thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon on another episode and don't forget to pass the pod bye